Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about CODA and I'm joined by speech-language pathology correspondent Kayla Mead to talk about the newest movie from Apple TV+. Kayla, thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm super excited about this. We were kind of talking a little bit before that you, you know, started recording this about how excited I am about some of these fun little facts I have for you guys today. Yeah, so uh, as I as I noted, uh, first I should say, CODA, the actual term stands for Child of Deaf Adults. You would have learned that if you listened to the podcast that I did with Kayla last year on Sound of Metal, which uh, went on to get a bunch of Oscar nominations and even won a couple Oscars, I think, in the sound categories. And that one was obviously about a uh, guy that loses his hearing and um, still wants to figure out how he's going to kind of manage through life. CODA, again, st- which stands for Child of Deaf Adults, focuses on said child, uh, a girl named Ruby, who uh, is the only hearing person in her family. Her parents, whose names are uh, Frank and Jackie, they're played by Troy Kotzer and Oscar-winning actress Marley Matlin. Uh, they they had her and her older brother, whose name is um, uh, Leo, and Leo is also deaf, and their family runs like a fishing business. Uh, Ruby uh, helps out a lot with that fishing business, but uh, kind of has her own ambitions and decides that she likes music and which is obviously a harder thing for a family uh for a deaf family to kind of grasp like why she would want to pursue something like that it's something that her family can't really fully appreciate and uh so the movie largely focuses on uh her developing relationship with her family and her wanting to kind of find her own independence while she doesn't leave her family behind and uh but just kind of how those two things are at odds with each other as she uh has a music teacher that you know uh sees a lot in her and a and a potential uh, love interest who's also very into uh possibly pursuing a career in music and uh that is that is basically this movie and i thought luckily i have a good friend that you know knows a lot about this community even if uh you're not a member of it kayla works a lot uh with the people that are affected by uh these kind of issues and can speak knowledgeably to them so naturally given that we'd already done one podcast that touched on this subject matter i was happy to have kayla back who uh, is now officially a speech language pathologist since the last time she talked to us so really have an expert here to talk about it uh this time uh kayla uh i know you liked sound of metal i didn't watch it with you i watched uh, this movie with you. And I think it goes without saying that it's like very important subject matter. But I always say when we do these podcasts that like just because something is like relatable or uh, just because something is like really, really timely or just because something is like uh, just really, really, really like important, it doesn't automatically make it good. But I also think this is a good movie. So I'm going to ask you like the two part question. Uh, why, as you saw this, because again, it's kind of different from Sound of Metal. Why, why is it important to have a movie like this specifically, and what did you like about it? Well, I mean, first of all, right now it has a 96 on Rotten Tomatoes, and very, very well deserved. Um, it's really, really important to have movies like this because there's so many communities that we live near, that we interact with, even if we're not part of the community, that you may not be aware of that. There's just so many different people out there. And, you know, Marley Matlin was absolutely fantastic. in a lot of her interviews leading up to this movie, um, and authentically casting, I know that's been a huge, huge conversation that's been happening, especially in terms of like animation voice acting. Like she really talked about that she was willing to walk away if they didn't hire deaf actors. And so by advocating for this whole community, which, I mean, she won her first award for Children of a Lesser God, which 
once again, she did portray a deaf character. She is a deaf person. So at that point, she's not really portraying a character. She's, she is portraying a deaf person as a deaf person. Um, and so movies like this are so, so important, especially for those with, who are differently abled. Not saying that they're special needs, they're disabled, but people who are deaf are differently abled. Um, for them to be authentically casted, for them to be authentically like represented. So movies like this, yes, they need to keep happening. Same thing with Sound of Metal. Um, I can't remember his name, not Riz Ahmed, but played the older guy. He is a child of a deaf adult. And so Paul, he was, Paul, Paul Rachi. Yes. Um, if I remember correctly, he is a child of a deaf adult and he was able to authentically represent his community. And so this is so important. It is so important for, you know, differently abled people. Like I'm, I'm saying this again, but I do truly feel deeply about this, that they're represented authentically, represented authentically. Yeah, and the movie obviously did a good job of that. Actually, I don't think like, – now I'm feeling bad. I can't remember if it was Paul Ricci or Rachi, but uh, he, he, the character in the movie was deaf. But I, I think uh, I think people underst- I think people are fine with it that you know he's that it was a non-deaf person portraying that deaf person because it's someone that you know knows the community that well and can kind of bring well, the, in the community right and, and still bring the right sensibilities and uh, sympathies to a, to playing a role like that and uh, I, sh- I should note I don't think I said it when I did the little intro Kayla that the, this movie Coda is directed by CN Header who uh, written and directed by her but it's actually adapted from a French movie and what I didn't I, I wasn't able to do as much reading up on this as i wanted to i had heard a little bit about marley matten's press tour from you but uh that was something that they didn't do in the french movie so i guess that was part of why she was like very cognizant of it was like uh, she probably read the script and said like well this is really good but i want them to do this in a slightly different way than the than the original and uh, it's kind of funny because sometimes when these like European movies are remade in America. They're not as good, and I'm not. I can't say I've seen the French one, but it's clear that they uh, they at least improved on that French one in a certain way, and that's due in large part to Marley Matlin. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. She really did. She really advocated for her community for this to be done the right way. Yeah, and I guess, and before I even really get too much into the plot of the movie, I think part of, I'll, I'll just say like part of what I like so much about this movie and what I found most impressive about it, and this goes to the performances, but I just the depiction of that family and the consequences of the actions that and the motivations of the various cam- family members. I can even get into more specifically, but more just that like, uh, you know. Sound of Metal was like uh, this guy getting introduced into his community into like a very specific setting. You're not seeing like how a normal family kind of lives with uh, someone with that condition. He's, I mean, maybe that community that he's in is a family in and of itself, but not. It's not like a, a traditional family that the bulk of an audience is going to be able to identify with in certain ways. You know, most people haven't been to a rehab center just for deaf people, but most people have sat around a kitchen table with a with as part of a family of four. Is my point. So it gives you it gives you like a, a different window into it that way, and you got to actually see what it looks like when these people like kind of live 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 their lives in the outside world. I mean, there just haven't been a, a whole lot of mainstream movies that focus on deaf people. And now we've gotten two in the last year that show you very different sides of it. And kind of what I liked was, and even if it's not a movie about deaf people, if it, if it is a movie about disabilities or some other kind of fish out of water, uh, you know, like I, I heard someone making the point on a podcast that like you know the people that are child of immigrants. 
can probably relate to this, or especially ch- children of non-English-speaking immigrants. And so it was interesting to kind of just see how this see how this family relied on this girl, but also that they portrayed the parents as like not maybe as flawless of individuals as you might normally treat the parents in a story like this, where they're they're the parents of the uh, the protagonist. Uh, where I thought it was really cool, like the, the that Marley Matlin and Troy Kutzer, they got to play like pretty flawed individuals in certain ways while still like being ultimately sympathetic and likable characters. You know, I really got a kick out of like watching the choices they made with those characters to like obviously love their daughter and at the end of the day want good things for her, but like struggle in those decisions and also just be like kind of wacky and goofy and uh, most like hilariously horny. Uh, what, what did you think of like seeing how the movie decided to portray these parents compared to like maybe how a different movie might've done it? Well, it actually brought me back to learning sign language because my professor at the time, he was a deaf or is a deaf individual. And there's like a lot of little cultural jokes he would share with us. So like within the movie, there's that, you know, joke, you know, do you know why farts smell? Well, <laughs> deaf people can enjoy them too. And that was something we had talked about, um, that we had like talked about in my sign language courses because language is culture and American sign language is very much deeply ingrained in deaf culture, understandable because that's their mode of communication within their community. Um, and that a lot of times there's, this lack of awareness directly related to the lack of being able to hear with just noise. And those certain environmental noises that we as hearing individuals are mindful of, like, you know, a loud fart or, you know, stomping down the stairs or like slamming down, um, you know, plates and forks or being loud during sex. Like, you know, it's just, you're feeling what you're feeling and you're going for it and you're not aware of the sounds you're making. And so, you know, they really made light of that situation. And because I'm going to use this word a lot, it's because it's an authentic situation, you know, and I appreciate that they, they were like that. They're like, you know, your people are going to be slamming plates because they don't realize how loud, you know, four plates stacked on top of each other is. You know, because we're always so mindful to make it as soft, you know, like limit the amount of noise we make. Playing but gang, or playing gangster rap. Right. And not knowing it's completely inappropriate. <laughs> you know, it's that I was telling you this a little bit earlier, um, how, you know, when it comes to I'm going on a segue here with the gangster rap right here um, is that, you know, she's like, my dad likes that because the bass is so heavy and at that moment you can like you can feel the music and you were telling me that you were really introduced to Marley Matlin during Dancing with the Stars and you're like wow that's really impressive she could do that when she can't hear but a lot of times you know deaf performers will have their speakers directly on the floor so they can hear those vibrations or can feel them you know that kind of thing and how just they represented it so well. <laughs> mm-hmm. They represented it so, so well that, yes, they're deeply flawed individuals. And, yes, sometimes they look out for the good of the family instead of the individual person. Like, yes, this is all true. 
But doesn't that add to the truth of the story? Because in real life, these things are going to happen in real life. Sometimes you're going to be told to put the family before yourself. You know, sometimes you're going to, you know, have a concert and your family may not enjoy it, but they're there for you. It's just it's truthful storytelling. Yeah, that was a, that was a very interesting scene. Uh, I should I should say uh, the our main character Ruby, who her, she's played by an actress named Amelia Jones, who is uh, who I didn't know till like a couple of days after we watched the movie that uh, she's British. I, I I knew as I was watching because uh, the Miles, her uh, classmate slash love interest, he's played by Ferdia Walsh Pila, who people might know as the as like the main character from Sing Street, the uh, the incredible movie from 2016. So I knew he was Irish. I was like kind of impressed as I was watching that I just kind of bought him as an American teen, but like didn't realize that not only did Amelia Jones have to like get down an American accent as she is doing this, but she had to like learn ASL. So I two questions for you. Uh, you you were pretty impressed by her ASL, correct? And what did you think of just uh, how that character, uh, how how she played that character as someone that was being really torn between two worlds? I mean, she did fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she did. She did absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Um, she did so great with the sign and voice translation. I was really, really impressed. Um, did awesome on like her facial expressions and you suspect you suspected that she might have been a coda herself. Yeah, I did, truthfully, because um, she was very, very fluent. Um, she definitely had like all the aspects of the language in it. And I mean, obviously, as an actress, that's her job. Um, her job is to be able to do that. But I'm, I am, I am so incredibly impressed. I'm impressed that she was able to switch between like translating, you know, using voice um, and then just straight up sign language with, you know, no vocal, no mouthing, anything like that. I was, it was all fantastic. (laughs) I was pretty impressed with the discomfort she showed in that first. I mean, I was a little like me not really being as cognizant of some of the challenges that someone might face from a family like that in the scene where she first shines up for the choir, which it may kind of makes it look like she does it on a lark just because she has a crush on that guy. But she's actually like legitimately good at singing. We come to know. But the first time that she's in that class, I don't think we really know that. Uh, I think she might have we might have seen her singing on the boat. And that was about it at that point. And she she just runs out of the class because she can't perform. I was like, oh, my God, this is such a corny movie thing. And then you made the point like, but yeah, she's literally never actually no one's ever heard her sing because she's in a house where like people can't hear her. So she probably does it all the time with absolutely no audience. So I thought like, you know, there there's a certain level of discomfort that probably comes from just being in one world so often that is like just operates wholly different from the other world that you're in. Oh, yeah, no, 100 percent. I mean, you can even. You know, think of how the world at work works and then how, you know, the world in your social area works. Like, I mean, there's common rules. Yes. But think about if if none of the rules were the same. And she also had the added pressure of she was bullied throughout school. And, you know, they mentioned it a couple times where she's like, oh, I used to get picked on or. She still gets picked on because she has the deaf family and she began, you know, school with a deaf voice. It also doesn't justify the bullying. I bullies are bad. I hate bullying. But like even her parents are like, you probably should have taken a shower before getting before going to school after getting off the fish boat. 
probably not wrong. <laughs> probably not wrong, but that could also just be them making light of the situation. You yeah. know, she she feels bad about it. It's like maybe have a funny comment about it. Yeah, so she has like obviously has like a, a lot of insecurities that uh, come from that, and, and just having you know, and it's I thought it was pretty interesting that it's like. I thought I thought it, it, we should, I should also add the movie takes place in uh, I think it's Gloucester, Massachusetts. Uh, there's a when the first time Miles comes to her house, he tells the story of how uh, he once saw her at a restaurant like years ago, like ordering with the family. And I thought that was like a good way of kind of world building and just showing that like, oh, well, yeah, in a town that's like not that big, you know, everyone's going to have like some level of like, you know, history with each other. And you're of course, you're going to remember something like that because that family is just going to like, you know be for better or worse going to be well known around town and i think yeah but there's there's that there's that story that miles tells but also just seeing them have to operate in the business world like it does a good job of like kind of placing these people within this wider world that you only have so much time to explore in a less than two hour movie oh yeah no definitely for sure and you know you also kind of go into you know the conversation of why aren't the other people in the community making the effort back to them. Like, yes, they're kind of by themselves because that's their community. That's who they can communicate with. But it doesn't seem like a lot of the others are reciprocating. They're not trying to include that family in the community outside of, you know, hey, you want to get a beer? You know, and what was awesome about that, it wasn't, it wasn't the girl who mentioned it that, you know, the community needs to change. It was the son. He's like, no, please go live your own life, please. And everybody else just has to figure out. Everyone else has to figure out how to communicate with us. That was the other big point I was going to make. And I thought that was one of the best scenes in the movie because uh, like you're saying, the, the, the town should obviously be making more of an effort. But the fact is they've maybe never had to make much of an effort because they've just had Ruby as their conduit and who can you know do all the translating for them, go, goes and does all the tasks and stuff that are going to be harder, obviously, if you're deaf. And uh, it's obviously very you know generous, but she's probably also using it as somewhat of a as somewhat of a as somewhat of a crutch and excuse crutch and an excuse not to go out and do other stuff and her her brother's smart enough to pick up on that and he, he feels like because they've used him because they've used her it's kind of marginalized him and she's probably not giving her family enough credit because uh you know she should trust that they would figure out a way to function and again you're right the, the rest of the town should be making more of an effort but if they were forced to make more of an effort themselves instead of just sending her out to do everything uh maybe they're going to become a little more assimilated i mean everybody's wrong here <laughs> <laughs> But everyone may be wrong, but also at the same time, like, understandably wrong. No one's being, like, completely, completely, like, irrational in a way that you can't understand why they would be doing that. And I think that's what makes the characters more authentic and believable. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I mean, it comes down to everybody's in this community and, you know, they have been left out of the community until it's helpful for everyone else. So that's a whole that's a whole thing too. It's like, okay, they're just kind of left out to do their own thing. And then, oh wait, they're actually going to stand up to, they're going to stand up to, you know, the warehouse guys. And, oh, now they're going to start this co-op. And so now that they're benefiting the community, they become part of the community. And so that's a, that's a whole, like, that's a nitpick for me. 
I'm sure we'll get into that, but you know that I don't understand why nobody in that town tried to really communicate with them until it became useful for them to communicate. But <laughs> yeah, and I think I think it, it's another good point to another good it's a good time then to mention just I think another really interesting scene in the movie, which is uh, the first uh, the, this first school choir performance that they have. Uh, right. Which is which, which is uh, one pretty good example of like how it's harder for them to kind of fit into the community, and that it's going to be harder for them to get something out of like a a real a space, a communal event uh, that that largely involves like you know taking things from an auditory perspective. And I honestly found that kind of like heartbreaking and uncomfortable to be like to for them not to be able to really take in what their daughter is doing. But then I was like. But I liked how in like they did a good job of just setting it up and like shooting that scene and showing her on the stage, showing their minds kind of wondering because again like it's hard to say super engaged. But I really liked how that scene ended and when with them taking in with them deciding to take in the rest of the audience. What were you thinking as you watched that scene? I mean, sound mixing, great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> really, really great. Definitely. I mean, what would you do? Right, but, I don't, I don't know. I, I, it made me, it made, it made me an, it ask myself that question, which was why I really appreciated it. I mean, the question came up more than once in the movie. Like, well, is she good? I don't know. <laughs> and then also, the teacher asked her, "Well, are you any good?" And she's like, "I don't know," you know, because she's never had that kind of feedback before, and so her family doesn't know if she's good. And that, like. You know, by the end of it, they really took the time to understand. Like, I'm thinking of that, you know, scene at the end where where the dad has his hands around her throat, like trying trying his best to hear in any way he can hear her sing because he recognizes that she's good and he recognizes that he can't truly hear her, you know, if she's good or not. And, you know, how else are you going to gauge? Think about it. I mean, kind of how we all watch movies. It's like, oh, this is my favorite movie. I want my friend to see the movie. And so you're like checking your friend every couple of minutes. Like, oh, is he enjoying this? Like, is he liking this? Does he think it's funny? I mean, same idea. Like, they know that people's faces are going to tell them if she's good or not. Right. And so they're trying to gauge that and do it any way they can. And the problem with that, kind of like how we talked about a little bit before, most of their work was on the piano or acapella. Like, you're not going to get a heavy bass to at least even hear it. Yeah, well, they also have the, um, at one point, Miles plays the guitar, too. If you're, if you, like you're saying, if you don't have a bass, and that gangster rap scene was pretty hilarious, and I want to talk about, I want to talk a little bit more about, uh, about Troy Coetzer, but yeah, I mean, there are a lot of beautiful moments that came with them, like trying to really figure out how to appreciate her. But again, I want to ask you about Troy Coates a little bit more specifically, because you, you mentioned um, you mentioned Marley Matlin, like kind of taking that stance. But I think that that it was that that probably led to them finding Troy Coetzer to play Frank, who, I mean, really kind of like steals every scene that he's in. And that guy's just like hilarious. But he has to like, uh, you know, play a lot of like really, really serious notes, too. Uh, what did you think about him? I know you learned a little bit more about him right before we got on, but what did you make of like that performance from a guy that like, if you look at his IMDb and or Wikipedia, like hasn't acted that much. I thought it was like really impressive what he accomplished. Yeah. So he was fantastic. He was a very real person throughout that whole movie. 
How hilarious was how hilarious was it when they went to the doctor's office and like their reactions when like uh, Ruby kept trying to tell them they can't have sex? Oh gosh, that was so hysterical. Um, well, that's another thing that is very common in deaf culture is being very honest. Mm. You know, being very blunt, being very honest, and that's how clearly how they communicate with their daughter as well. Um, and so once again, I devoured a lot of Marley Matinland's um, interviews through this. So he actually ended up getting the part because as they were casting, they threw out uh, the name of a hearing actor and Marley Matlin's like, I'm going to walk. Like we, we being a deaf community, she's like, we are not a costume to put. Like you need to hire a deaf actor to play a deaf character. Um, and she really, really advocated for that. I know I mentioned that earlier. So they ended up hiring um, Troy Coetzer. And she said that as they were filming, and I know I paused the movie a couple times while we were watching, and I know that's so frustrating for you. Um, no, it, was, it was informative. It was informative. But yes, go on. And, you know, she she talked about it in the interview. She's like, he is hysterical. So a lot with American Sign Language is storytelling, um, where there may not be an official sign for this, that, and the other, but within the context, you know, it can it can work, and you can have that understanding. I mean, think of the way that we use slang, um, kind of the same way. That word doesn't mean exactly how we're using it, but within the context, it makes sense. And so she talked about he would go on these, like, improvisation moments so the entire doctor's office visit she talked about how it was um how that was improvised and they were just like oh why don't you try to stick to the script and she's like no this is so much better and she said she was having to like keep a straight face and that was just hysterical because of his storytelling and his improvisation was fine and so like that doctor's office visit scene was hysterical because even though, yes, there were subtitles, but, like, you didn't know what he was signing. You got the picture. <laughs> you figured out what he was talking about. And, you know, when she had to play interpreter, not she was playing, but she was being an interpreter. And it's like, oh, the doctor says you can't have sex for two weeks. And she's like, nope, you can't have sex ever. <laughs> and he was just like, what? Why? Like, no. Like, look at your mom. She's so hot. How can I <laughs> <laughs> was so cute because it's like all oh, your parents are just like so in love like that's so sweet and it's just he's being a true storyteller in those you know silly funny moments same thing in the scene where you know kind of talk about they were just they were practicing singing they were practicing their duet uh ruby and what's his face the boy nice. miles wow. right um and they couldn't hear they were practicing singing or <laughs> he was playing guitar so they just assumed two teenagers in a closed room meant they were having sex and so like they do the talk say and i believe that scene kind of paired along with troy and marley matlin you know having sex and talking about oh it's natural and it's just the storytelling behind you know what the script says and on, that's what makes an actor. We all know this. You can read the best script in the world, but if you don't tell the story with the script, 
you know, you're not going to get a performance. You already you already mentioned the uh, scene where in the backyard on the truck he tries to get uh, he tries to like kind of feel her as she sings. I believe you got a little emotional during that, but you also got a little emotional during the uh, during that final scene where she is uh, Ruby is uh, auditioning for the Berkeley College of Music, which she's uh, she's kind of worked towards the whole movie with some bumps in the road, and uh, and she ends up kind of making the unexpected turn when she sees her family in the audience to like kind of sign as she sings. Why did that move you so much? Well, I cry every time I watch beauty and the beast. So take my emotional reactions with a grain of salt. Okay. So maybe not the hardest thing for the movie to accomplish, but uh, what about this movie? Uh, what, what, what was it really that like really spoke to you there? Well, it was really nice because she's trying to move forward in you know, this hearing world. She, you know, when it comes to, singing that can really, you know, be enjoyed in the hearing world, but yet her family's here supporting her, and she is, in that moment, a bridge between both worlds and both parts of herself, and so it was just like, it was really nice, you know, Mm -hmm. and her family's there, even though her family can't truly enjoy what she's doing, her family's there supporting, and she recognized that, and so she was providing that bridge, and it was it was beautiful. It was really nice. And I mean, I cry at TikToks all the time. <laughs> so, I mean, just take it with a grain of salt. But it was, it was really, really nice. It was really nice to have that moment where you see her, you know, really connecting both parts of herself. I thought it was really sweet too. And kind of like caught me off guard. I guess it's not exactly like the, you know, the most like out of left field choice ever, but like, I still didn't exactly see it coming. I'm not sure how I thought she was going to really connect to them in that moment. It makes sense, but it makes sense, but I didn't see it coming. So I think that's a sign of a really good storytelling choice. Uh, you, you said you had some nitpicks before we uh, wrap up. Did you want to call out any of those work quickly? I know we're not going to dwell on them too much because we really liked the movie, but were there any nitpicks you wanted to mention? Just like the community surrounding them. Like, honestly, like, and I get it. I get that it's supposed to be like that. But at the same time, it's like, okay, he's been fishing with these people all his life. And his dad was fishing with them. And, you know, the mom won, you know, beauty contest and all this stuff. So clearly they've been in the community a long time. So, like, why wasn't anyone trying to communicate with them? Or, like, or, or just, like, how, 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 like, clueless they were. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, like. That's my biggest nitpick, and I understand it's part of the story, but I'm just like, okay, buddy, like, these people have been in your community for how long? And he's saying that, like, he fished with his his dad as a child, and obviously, like, he's not portrayed as a young parent. And so that's, like, a huge nitpick. I understand the storytelling merit of it. Also, another nitpick was I did not need the romantic storyline. I thought it was silly. I... I get what they were trying to do by it. They were trying to, you know, show that she's not everything she seems and, you know, people can be accepting and it helped be the catalyst for her to get there. But like, I, I didn't need the scene of, you know, them on the rocks and, you know, it was just, I don't, I didn't need it. I got, I understood how some plot points happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I was excited to see that actor because, again, he was in a movie I really liked five years ago. But yeah. I 
I, I I didn't think it like it, I didn't think it was enough time spent on them to like really earn that romance necessarily. I thought it was a little odd when he was like, I mean, it was it was it was something worth apologizing for when he kind of blabs the whole school about like walking in on her parents having sex or hearing her parents having sex. But like he's like begging her like, forgive me, please hang out with me. And it was like uh, you would kind of inferred that they had like been practicing together more than that. I didn't even gather that. So it seemed like he was like really going overboard and they were trying to like they didn't really earn the connection between the two of them to like where they would even get to that point is what I would say. And you're, you're right. The movie wouldn't have been any worse off without them along the same lines of your critique about the community. I, one thing I didn't love was the, like the music teacher getting as upset with her as he did, but I didn't really like, I, mean, I don't think she shared the situation. Well, that that's the thing. So that's not, it's, it's not the same thing as what you said about the community, but like, again, he knew she was from the deaf family. So it wasn't like that was like a secret that she was from the deaf family. And there are like certain, but with that, and this is where the nitpick of the community comes in. Mm-hmm. So when he goes to meet her family at the recital, yes, he screws up the sign, but that's, that's part of the ASL jokes that I was kind of talking right. about, telling you a little bit about how just hand orientation mm-hmm. can, um, can change the meaning. Like, for example, like, let's say I have my left fist, you know, facing down, my right fist facing down, but on top of the left, this means work. But if I were to switch my left hand to fist up, that means fuck. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they made that joke about it, but the fact is, is that, he had only been working with her for a school year, not even. No, it was like three months or something because it was the fall concert. And he tried to learn how to sign nice to meet you so he could meet his singer's family. And so, like, why did he know her for three months and made the effort to be able to say nice to meet you to her family? But the rest of the community who's known them for like 20 plus years hasn't. It's a, it's a fair point. My thing, though, is that, like, a big pet peeve I have in, like, any kind of, like, TV or movie is when, like, a character, like, withholds information for no reason other than, like, the plot wants to, like, create some extra conflict. And, like, at that point, like, he obviously knew that she was from, like, a family that, like, that was different. And, like, she shouldn't have been, like, you know, he's, like, yelling at her saying she doesn't want it enough. And she should just be like, hey, like, my family's going through some real shit here. And please understand that. And I feel like the guy, the, the teacher was like nice enough that he would have gotten that. And she should have like had that trust in him. Cause like, that was just some conflict. I didn't really think I needed. I think there was enough conflict there with the way she was being pulled by the family that like, I didn't need the, the teacher kind of yelling at her, you know? Do you think you would have been that upfront with a teacher? I don't know. I mean, uh. also remember she's a 17 year old high school student. I mean, she may just not, She's embarrassed by her family. She could have been like, yo, watch the damn news. Like, my family's, like, making me, like, help their business. Like, I sorry, I can't, like, say no to my mom and dad. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it felt like there was too much, like, holding back when she should have, like, been a little more upfront with him when he was, like, threatening to quit on her. That, that, that Again, that's, like, my one pet peeve for the whole movie. I really like the movie. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on about the movie before we wrapped it up? Watch it. It's worth it. Yeah, it's a, it's really good. Um, you know, it's it's it, Kayla already shouted out its Rotten Tomatoes score. I think it has a lot going for it in that regard, critically, and hopefully it'll get some like awards attention and stuff like that. Because I I just think it's a people like a lot of people like kind of refer to it as a, a crowd pleaser, not derisively, but sometimes that like you know that comes with some kind of connotation where it's like a simple down the middle fine movie. And I think this it, it exceeds that in a lot of ways. Uh, Kayla, before we sign off, anything you want to plug as usual uh, as far as personal stuff? or stuff you're watching anything like that yeah so visiting back to it watch sound of metal if you haven't watched it it is on amazon prime streaming it 
is really, really excellent. I think I've probably watched it three or four times by now. I just finished Schmigadoo on mm. Apple Plus, and that was a fun watch. That has, like, Cecily Strong in it, Keegan-Michael Keys in it. There's quite a lot of people in it. Fred Armisen. It's, 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 like, it's, it. like a, it's like a musical, right? It's like a musical show. It's, like, it's fun. It's a fun watch. But that's kind of what I've been watching lately. It's kind of funny. We didn't even talk that much about the music in Coda, but it's kind of secondary to, like, the story, you it know? Was the same song over and over again. The point is that... That's true. Had two songs she was working on and those are the two songs that were repeatedly you know sung throughout the movie so i mean there's really not much to go into it on on that no, front. No, no. yeah you're right you're right but i mean <laughs> the song was a great choice she performed it beautifully yeah uh i'll tell people because it'll probably be part of our next episode or the one after that to watch free guy uh it's the new ryan reynolds movie that Honestly, I went into it with very low expectations. God, this didn't really – the trailer didn't do much for me. It looked like a silly big-budget movie, and it's it's cool that like a movie that's like that that uh, utilizes – because it was like a Fox thing that got bought by Disney. So there ends up being some like Disney references to other pop culture, but it's still like a wholly unique original story that was like really funny and just a real blast. If you were like, oh, this generic weird-looking Ryan Reynolds thing like I was when you looked at the trailer and you aren't inclined to see it like I was since I'll go see just about anything because I live across the street from a theater uh, – it's definitely worth checking out. It got it got good reviews, but like it's just like it was just a blast. I, I was smiling the whole time. Incredible Jodie Comer performance. If you only know her from like serious stuff like Killing Eve, like it's fun to see her do something that's kind of like uh, a little more fun and comedic in nature. Because the other thing she's going to be in this fall is that like uh, that Matt Damon Ben Affleck Ridley Scott movie where she's like playing the wife of Matt Damon who allegedly got raped by the guy. So it's, I'm glad she got to do something fun. If that's the other thing that she's going to be in this year in the movies. So uh, Free Guy, just a great time. Uh, definitely check it out while it's still in theaters. As usual, you can find me on uh, Letterboxd and Twitter at Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y. My podcast uh, Twitter is at the Rewind Movie Pod. Podcast email is rewindmoviepod at gmail.com. So everyone uh, send any feedback that way. Like I said, coming up next, we might have one with our friend Fred on Free Guy and Reminiscence, uh, the Lisa Joy movie with Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson. And uh, and then one on Annette, uh, the Leos Carrick's movie with Adam Driver and to yard with our friend Ben. So everyone stay tuned to those. Thanks again to Kayla for joining me and we'll see you next time.